This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I want you to turn your Bible, if you would, to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to begin reading in chapter chapter number 3, and beginning in verse number 1, the scripture says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. Verse 4 says, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. We'll stop right there, and I just, I I love to laugh. I I think I got that from my dad. My dad was saved at the age of 15, and he has pastored the same church now for 51 years. Uh, He has been the pastor of Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I was raised in a home that had a lot of laughter. Dad was just a joyful man. Uh, the Bible says that our salvation is, is the joy of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. I remember Dad singing songs about 4 and 5 in the morning, and I would get up and scream and yell and say, Would you please shut up? And he'd be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making me on his heart. He said, Son, if you'd been in the throne room like I have, you'd be joyful too. And uh, we laugh back at those times now. Uh, I'll tell you another time that I've laughed a lot is whenever I see your pastor swing a golf club. It's, uh, it's a pretty comical experience. Uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, uh, we, we really enjoyed it. I put these glasses on. These are called peepers. Anna had a surgery in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I went in, and so they were selling these, and these were the only color that they had, and so he's been calling me Elton John all week. Uh, and so we have really laughed. He asked me what I was going to preach on and what the title of my message was, and I told him, I said, well, I said, the title of my message is why a church should never buy a shopping center. (laughs) And uh, so he was really, really enjoying the title of that message. Lots of fun in life. We've had a a lot of fun. The men at my church really love to give me a hard time. Uh, A few weeks ago, there was a pastor friend of mine who came up from Atlanta, Georgia, and we were... We were out eating at a uh, restaurant there in town, and we got ready to get up and leave, and lo and behold, there was uh, someone had purchased our meal. Well, it just so happened that it was a lady in our church who was a senior adult lady. She was widowed. She was about 84, 85 years old, and someone found out about it, and so this was the ongoing joke around church. Pastor Mark drives around town until he sees one of our widow ladies at a restaurant, so they'll buy him lunch. So it's just on and on and on. And I think that the Lord does encourage us to have a good time and to laugh. There is a lot of joy in knowing Christ. But I want to preach to you on a very unusual topic tonight. A time for all things. And one of the things I want to talk about tonight is there is a time to weep. There is a time to weep. I just have a few points uh, a time for laughter, but also a time for weeping. And 
One of the times that I've noted throughout Scripture and just in my own personal life and even pastoring a church is one of the times that we find ourselves weeping is at the time of death, whenever we have to say goodbye to our loved ones. Deuteronomy chapter number 34 and verse number 8, the Scripture says that the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were finally ended. Whenever Sarah died, she died in Hebron in the land of Canaan. Genesis 23 and verse number 2 says that Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Over and over in Scripture you see this played out. Whenever Joseph took Jacob up into the land of Canaan from Goshen when he was there in Egypt, he took him up in Genesis chapter number 50 and verse number 10 says, And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. Whenever they took Stephen, who was stoned, and they laid their feet at, or they laid their clothes and their coats at the feet of Saul, who would eventually be Paul, it says that Stephen was carried by devout men to his burial, and they made great lamentations over him. And oh, how there are tears of sadness whenever people pass away and they go on to be with the Lord. Amen. We, we miss them. We remember the times of laughter. We remember the times of love, the influence, the friendships that we had. Not long ago, there was a gentleman who had a tremendous impact on our family. Many of you may know him, Brother Sammy Allen. He passed away, and he was my dad's pastor for 50 years. He led my mom and dad both to the Lord, and I can't tell you the number of times I've just sat back and thought about his ministry and his life and how grateful I am for it because I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today if he hadn't been where he was with the Lord. And he died. And boy, it was, a, it was a very sad time for my dad. They used to go fishing and laugh, and they did it all the way up until just a few years before he died. And oh, how we mourn the loss of people that we love. I remember the first sermon I ever preached, at a, the first funeral I ever preached was of an eighth-month-old baby and how that mom and dad sat there on that front row. And I remember this day, the tears that filled that chapel as we preach that message because of the heartache of what sin has ushered into the world. It's ushered in death, which is separation. Separation from our loved ones, and that's why we look so forward to heaven. Amen. One of these days, there are going to be no more tears of sadness because there'll be no more separation. For we as Christians, we just don't shed tears of sadness, but oftentimes we, we shed tears of gladness. The scripture says in Psalm 116 and verse number 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Revelation 14, he said, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And why is that? Because for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It is far better. And as we sit and we think about the death of our loved ones, the comforting thought is they're in the most beautiful place that we could ever imagine. John tried to give us a picture of it in the book of Revelation, and he gave us that city that is four square, that has four gates, that has a street of gold, and it has walls of jasper, and it has above and beyond everything, not just the beauty of that place, but the best of people. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Ruth and Rahab and Lydia and Matthew and Mark and Paul and all of the saints of all the ages that have gone on before us, our dear friends and loved ones are in that place, absent from the body but present with the Lord. And there you and I can find great comfort, 
And we can shed tears of gladness that they're in the most beautiful place with the best of people. The best of people. The ones that the world is not worthy of. I can't wait to get to heaven to meet Nebuchadnezzar. That old king of Babylon who was so ruthless and cold, but yet he gave his testimony in Daniel chapter number 4 and he's there on the street of gold and what an exciting time it's going to be just to hear his testimony and all that God did in his life after he trusted in Christ. In a beautiful place with the best of people, but most importantly of all, they're there with the blessed Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved them and gave himself for them. First Thessalonians chapter number 4, he said, Listen, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Listen, we shed tears of gladness not just of where, because of where they're at, but we shed tears of gladness because one of these days we're going to be reunited with them. We're going to be where they're at. I have, a, I have an uncle that trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior later in life, and he was the cool uncle. He lived in a really nice house, drove a BMW. Uh, he was just cool. He had a great personality, but he lived a wicked life until God allowed him to have a stroke and he began to think about death. And on Mother's Day, Dad called me and he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, but your Uncle Johnny walked the aisle of a Baptist church this morning and trusted Jesus as his Savior. And about five years later, he died. And one of these days, I'm going to see Uncle Johnny again. So we weep. We weep for the death of our loved ones at times of death. We also weep at times of difficulty. We weep when others suffer. The scripture says, yet man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. He says that in Job 5, 7. Job goes on and he says again that man is born of woman, is few days and full of trouble, mistreated, maligned, suffering, difficulties. I think about David and all the heartache and all the pain that David went through and the struggles that he had. The scripture says that for you and for me that we rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep in Romans 12, 15. And sometimes when people are going through difficulties, when they're going through trials, when they're going through tragedies, we sit down with them and weep. And I, I remember a telephone conversation too that I had back to back. This is probably 12, 15 years ago. I was outside and oftentimes whenever I talk on the phone, I pace and I walk outside and just pace. And I received a telephone call from from a friend of mine, and, and they were just rejoicing. It was their birthday, and they called me so that I could wish them a happy birthday uh, rather than me calling them. And they were rejoicing over their children, how that their children were living for the Lord, how that they were in church, how that they had married believers, and how that they were bearing fruit. We hung up the phone after we had a word of prayer and was rejoicing together, and literally two minutes later, my phone rang. It's one of the dearest friends I have on earth. And he was weeping because of a wayward child, a prodigal child, just in tears, begging me to pray and begging me to, to give him some words of advice. Do you have anything that you think I could do that might change the situation? You know what we did? We, we just wept together. We wept together on the phone. 
There was such a contrast. I hung up the phone with him and Romans chapter number 12 and verse 15 just kept coming to my mind. We rejoice with them that do rejoice and sometimes we weep with them that weep as we see them go through tragedies and difficulties. And honestly, that is what the fellowship of a church is all about. Enjoying life, laughing and rejoicing with people that have babies and their children graduate and they have marks in life and they get married and we rejoice over those things. And then we see them as they go through the heartaches and the troubles that life brings to you and to me. And we weep with them. We also weep times of difficulties when we suffer. Psalm 18.5 says, The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me in my distress. I called upon the Lord and cried. And to my God, He heard my voice out of His temple. And my cry came before Him even into His ears. Boy, in times of distress, whatever you and I are going through, pressure-packed problems where we just don't see a way out. I remember going through one of the greatest trials of my life in my mid-30s and I was just so broken during that time of my life. It was about a two-year stretch. Sherry and I were at a church, and it was just really hard and difficult. I remember laying down on my bed one night and tears just rolling as I cried out to God in my distress. And I'll never forget that night. It was as though the Spirit of God just continued to flood my mind with Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit comforted my heart. And I just wept over the trials and I thanked God for the trials because I knew that He was doing something in my life. Remember whenever Sherry and I found out that Anna was going to be born with a bilateral cleft lip and cleft palate. We were standing in Dr. Larry Sargent's conference room and his assistant was taking us through everything and I stood up and walked over to the window and looked out over Chattanooga, Tennessee and Tears just started coming down my face. And I remember the lady looked at me and she said, you're not going to pass out, are you? I said, no, ma'am. I said, but I'm going to cry just a little bit if you don't care and pray. Listen, in times of distress, we cast all our cares upon him because he cares for you and for me. There's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes you need to weep and you need to cry loud and lift up your voice the Scripture says to be worried and to be anxious, to be fretful, to be fearful about nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we make our requests be made known unto God. And what happens? All of a sudden, the peace of God begins to come near and garrison our heart. How many times in my life I have been going through distress and I've gone into the presence of God and I've come out with the peace of God as I poured out my tears and He caught them in a bottle in His presence. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse number 41, I think it's one of the most picturesque scenes in all of God's Word. David is out in a field and he's waiting on Jonathan to come and, and to give him word of whether he's going to be welcomed at the table of Saul. And the Scripture, if you remember, David, uh, Jonathan told David, he said, David, he said, I'm going to tell the lad to shoot an arrow. And he said, if you hear me say that the arrows are beyond thee, you'll know that you're no longer welcome at my table. And sure enough, they go out in just a few days and Jonathan yells at that lad, the arrows are beyond thee. I remember as a 12-year-old boy at a camp meeting, there was a man who stood and preached a message when the arrows fly beyond thee. I've never forgotten the title of that message nor its subject matter. 
The scripture says that David came out and he and Jonathan wept. And then it said that David exceeded. You know what that means? That David was weeping even more. He was no longer welcome at the king's table. But may I tell you, the Lord prepared a table for him in the presence of his enemies. A time of weeping. A time of weeping at death, a time of weeping at times of difficulties. There's a time of weeping. It should be at times of disobedience. We should weep over our personal sins. James put it this way in James 4, 8, Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. Ye double-minded, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. There ought to be times of weeping over personal sin. I, I thought back in my life, I, I remember at the point of salvation, I shared with you the tears that I wept over my sin and over the joy of salvation I remember just a few years later, I was 17 years of age, and my best friend, Brad Bates, he and I were at, a, at church on a Sunday morning, and Dad preached a message. During the invitation, the Spirit of God came down, and Brad and I just weren't living the way we should. Oh, I remember that morning, he and I looked over at each other, and the Word of God and the Spirit of God had dealt with us. We were both pretty popular in our area. We were in the newspaper. He was a baseball player. I was a basketball player. I said, Brad, I said, we need to go make this right. He said, you're right. I stood up and he stood up and walked down to the altar that morning. And I remember weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping over my sin. How long has it been since you've wept over the fact that maybe you've left your first love? How long has it been since the Spirit of God arrested you for something that you know in your heart is wrong? There's a little boy by the name of Brian, and he was at a summer camp where I was preaching one year. And I remember Brian. I remember him just like it was yesterday. He had Coke bottle glasses. They were a lot worse than these peepers. I want you to know that. Boy, they were, they were so thick. And I walked over to, to Brad, and I leaned down, and I said, Brad, I said, buddy, I, I said, what's going on? And I remember it like it was yesterday when he lifted up his eyes, you could see tears had filled those glasses. And he lifted up those eyes and they just poured, they just poured onto his shirt. And he said, Pastor Mark, he said, when I was a little boy, by the way, he was 12 whenever he was at the altar with me. He said, when I was a little boy, he said, I had cancer. And he said, I love Jesus a whole lot more then than I do. I've thought about that boy a thousand times over and how he wept because he loved Jesus more when he had cancer than he did now. And how many times in my life have I not loved the Lord Jesus Christ the way that I should? Not been burdened over my sin, just took it flippantly. Not having a burden for lost souls like I used to have. Not having a hunger for the Word of God like I did. I remember there's a stretch in my life where I would fast from Friday night all the way to Sunday morning every week for two to three years because I longed for the presence of God. I wonder if we weep over our sin the way that we should. By the rivers of Babylon they were set down, yea, they wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? 
They look back at a life that had been ruined because of their sin. And they were asked to sing the songs of Zion by the Babylonians. And they said, how can we sing them in a strange land? And they sat down and they hung their harps upon the willows. Weeping over losing our first love. Weeping over our sin. We weep over other sins. We should. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse number 1, it says, It is reportedly common that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned, but he hath done this deed, might be taken away from you. Rivers of water, the psalmist said, run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. Oh, we're not sitting in anger or frustration or in judgmental, not being judgmental. Listen, as others sin, we weep over the consequences of what it's going to have for their own life. We don't want them to have to go through sowing to the wind and weeping the whirlwind. We don't want them to have to go through the prodigal son experience and our hearts should break for the grieving of the Spirit of God in their life. We weep over the sins of others. We not only weep over personal sins, and not only should we weep over others' sins, but we should weep over our national sins. When Jesus was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem, and he wept, and he wept, and he wept. His heart was filled with compassion for that city. Oh, the lamentations of Jeremiah in Lamentation 5.15. He says, The joy of our heart is ceased. Our dance is turned into mourning. The crown is fallen from our head. Woe unto us, listen to this, that we have sinned. Our dance is turned into mourning. As we look at our nation, as we look at the sin that has invaded our nation, as we look at the choices of our politicians, as we look at the bills that have been passed over the last 50 years, how our hearts just mourn and weep for it. I believe with all of my heart, with every fiber of my being, that the only reason that the judgment of God has not fallen on this nation is because of the prayers and the weeping of the people of God that make up the churches of this nation. I believe it. In Ezekiel chapter 9 and verse number 4 and the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Listen, you go through and you set a mark on the, on the head of every single man that is weeping and mourning for the abominations of this land. And in Ezekiel 22.30, he says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I found none. He didn't find anyone in all of Jerusalem that was weeping, that was standing in the gap and praying, just like Moses stood in the gap, and ju just like as you study throughout the Scriptures, oftentimes people would pray and they would stand in the gap Moses over the nation of Israel asking for God to protect that land and those people. Even as Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, standing in the gap, though they couldn't find ten righteous there. Do we weep over our national sins? Do we weep over them? Not only at times of death do we weep, at times of difficulties, at times of disobedience. Last of all, we should be weeping 
over the damnation of the lost. We should be weeping over the damnation of the lost. Whenever the Apostle Paul was sharing his last goodbyes to those that were around Ephesus, if you remember in Acts chapter 20, verse 31, he said, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. What an evangelistic outreach happened from the church at Ephesus. Literally most all of the churches of the region of Galatia, multiple churches, most all theologians believe that the seven churches of Revelation were founded by the Apostle Paul through his missionary outreach. And how did it happen? Oh, he warned them night and day with tears. He was broken over the lost. He was burdened about them going to hell. Matthew 9, 37 936, Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. He goes on and he says, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. Do you remember a time when you were really burdened over lost souls? Were you actually wept for them? I remember days like that in my life. And oh, how I need for the Lord to touch my heart afresh and anew. Amen? To give me a burden for the lost. To give me a burden and a brokenness over my sin. A brokenness and a love for other people as they begin to walk into sin. And what it is going to do to them and to their family members. A love for other people so that I can really get down to where they're at and to be concerned for them whenever they're going through trials and tragedies and difficulties, sickness and heartaches and pains that we find ourselves going through in a, in a sin-fallen world. Psalm chapter number one, in Psalm 126, in verse number 6, the psalmist writes and he says this, He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So oftentimes... Zion never brings forth her children until first she travails. She travails in tears and in heartache and in pain. Tears for the sins, tears for the souls that are going to be damned. Tears and burdens just for the sorrows of what other people might be going through. There is a time for all things. There is a time for laughter. But I'll tell you, there's also a time for weeping. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.